Welcome everyone to Thursday weekend kickoff. My name is Andrew Spade. I'm joined by Cody Sweck. Uh, Cody, how are you this evening? Evening, Andrew. I'm good, man. Ready for another Browns week and some Dolphins Bengals tonight. I've got a this is this is a pretty big deal. Limited edition wow. Bush camo can. So you know, if you need a okay. thirty pack to get you through the weekend, these mm-hmm. these chilly winter evenings, fall <laughs> evenings, I guess. Well, it's camo, so when you held it up, I didn't see anything. I just saw I saw an empty hand when you held it oh, up. Oh, it's official. It's legitimate camo. Yeah, yeah. So you go out in the woods, and the deer's not seeing that you're drinking, which is good because they get really, they're very, uh, they're they're very particular about uh, what sort of alcohol use they see in the, in the woods. Um, so that's good. That's good. That's that those basic deers science, are I think, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. we we've known that for a long time. We're just now talking about it for the first time. Uh, Cody, uh, it's good to have you with me. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Browns and the Falcons this week, and I am going to try and find my notes. Uh, I, honestly, the, the the start of the show caught me off guard a little bit tonight, and I feel like a total uh, amateur right now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's on the OBR. We've got some great articles from Fred Greetham uh, over the past few di- days, uh, breaking down what has been a really a uh, news-filled time in Berea. There's a lot of players, obviously, uh, that have missed some time at practice. And then, of course, there's the entire Miles Garrett situation, which is a is a is its own sort of issue with the uh, the one car car accident that that he was involved with uh, earlier this week. It sounds like he's okay for the most part, but definitely banged up, and I'm sure shaken up because uh, that car was in rough shape. So um, uh, check those out. Fred's got got those articles up. Uh, we've got Barry McBride doing the newswire, of course. Um, uh, Cody, you had a piece today on the breaking down the uh, the game between the uh, Falcons and the Browns this weekend, and some of the key matchups, uh, which people should go and check out. Uh, we had Jack Duffin write up Jermaine Carter, who's a linebacker that the Browns added this week, uh, and so that was a that was a helpful uh, little piece by Jack. And um, uh, what else? We've got I've got a I've got a story coming in the next few days about what we think is going to happen with Dimitri Felton um in the next little bit and uh we'll have uh, i'll have my picks column tomorrow so as always check out the obr for uh, everything that's going on in the uh, world of browns uh the other thing i wanted to touch on before we dive in uh to falcons browns is to just talk about this injury situation overall the browns uh, on their injury report right now have it, it's it looks like a quarter of the roster it's uh it's almost everybody um that that you know that we've talked about uh, you know, it's, it's Jadevian Clowney, it's Miles Garrett. Those are the two big names. But uh, David Njoku showed up today with a knee issue. Uh, Denzel Ward is on there, even though he was practicing today. So uh, just I, I guess uh, from your perspective, Cody, obviously we know if Miles and, and Jadevian miss, uh, it's, a, it's a big uh, problem. But, you know, how many of these guys do you think the Browns can expect to have back by, by Sunday? It's... It's tough to look at on a defense that's kind of underwhelmed and underperformed thus far this season to see so many, not just players, but key players on that defense that could potentially be out this week against the Falcons offense that has had no trouble moving the ball uh, in the first three weeks of the season. So if you figure Garrett and Clowney, I think it's trending that direction that they probably won't play, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, JOK, we'll see. I know he returned to individual to drills today. We'll see how he ends up feeling tomorrow. Uh, Walker's obviously off. So I'm assuming I, I'm guessing that, that the Browns have Ward, and I'm thinking I'm about 50 50 on JK this week, but I'm assuming that Garrett and Clowney both will be out, which mm-hmm. just causes a disaster for that yeah. defensive line that's on, yeah. and struggling from the interior as well. There's right. just not a lot of healthy bodies and necessarily above average bodies in that in that defensive line room right now. So 
Yeah. Well, and that's the other name. I'm glad you said defensive line because that's the other name is Taven Bryan. Looks like he's not going to yeah. play. Uh, Brad Stainbrook reported earlier today that Roderick Perry will get called up again for this game from the practice squad. So, um, uh, and, and will be active. So I would assume that's to replace Taven Bryan. So, uh, it's potential that they'll be down three starters on the uh, defensive line, in which case I think it would look like Alex Wright, uh, Perry and Winfrey, Jordan Elliott, and uh, Isaac Rochelle, uh, which is, boy, by week four to be in that spot. I mean, obviously some of these guys are going to come back, hopefully all of them, but uh, that, that is a, that's, a, that's a real tricky spot to be in. Against a, a Falcons offense, we, we'll talk about them in just a minute, that they can really move the ball. So, um yeah, that's that's all those injuries to be concentrated in one area is certainly disadvantageous for the Browns. I mean, that's probably the worst, the worst starting defensive line in the NFL. I would, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think I'm being uh, hyperbolic when I say that. I think it's no. it's relatively accurate. It, yeah. it's just, to go from a, a relative strength on the team to a apparent weakness within yeah. one football game, from the Steelers' evening yep. to this, it, it's it's messy, and it, I think. Trending toward, obviously, as we talked about before, the Garrett and Clowney. I think Garrett playing is pretty much out of the picture in my eyes. We'll see with Clowney, but uh, yeah. Yeah. that's going to be a struggle. I mean, the Browns have done well against the run so far this season, but, mm-hmm. you know, when, and somebody mentioned in the chat that it, that's a good point as well, that Patterson didn't practice for the second time today as well. So that might help them out a little bit in defending the run, but uh, yeah, those guys still got to show up and, and make some plays somehow. Yep. I'm seeing questions coming in in chat, and we will absolutely get to those. Um uh, one quick, Justin is asking, uh, I just got home. Did they rule miles out? They have not ruled miles out. I, I doubt that they will rule miles out until, you know, so I bet he'll see how he feels on Sunday and decide if he wants to go. But I think given what he's been through and the fact that he was nursing a knee or I'm sorry, a neck injury going into last week's game, I, I just think it's going to be a, a too heavy of a lift for him to be ready for Sunday, but, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And obviously we will be uh, covering the team on Friday. I'm sorry, on Sunday from noon to one right up until kickoff. So we'll have the inactives for you and everything on Sunday. Uh, so, so join us back here then uh, for, for the pregame show. And, and uh, you know, hopefully maybe we'll get some good news. I mean, it, you know, it, it was certainly good news that he didn't end up um, in with serious injuries, considering he rolled a, a Porsche a few times that that's to walk away from that. I think he has to feel pretty fortunate. So, uh, okay. Like let's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He sacked, he sacked a car accident somehow. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about this. So we're talking about the defense and we're talking about who won't play or might not play, which is obviously not where you want to start, but, but that's one of the big issues here, right? Um, the other issue is, uh, the, the Atlanta offense has been good. Um, you, you looked into it, Cody, uh, you know, for your, for your preview piece today, talk a little bit about just generally what the Atlanta offense has done so well so far this season. Yeah, but they, they run a pretty similar offense to what the Browns run, and that's what's one thing we were clamoring for this pre, this preseason with Darius Johnson maybe be on the trade table is how much sense he would have made to go to a team like the Falcons or to a 49ers that run similar offensive schemes where he could be successful. But anyway, the, the Falcons through the first three weeks, they're, they're almost neck and neck with Browns in a lot of offensive categories. The, the Falcons are seventh in pass EPA. The Browns are eighth. Uh, the, the Falcons are 21st in rush EPA where the Browns are first. So there's a little bit of disconnect there, but in rush success rate, the Browns are eighth and the Falcons are 13th. So there's a lot of consistency there uh, between these two teams. Uh, I, I think that the Falcons may be overachieving a little bit offensively right now. Uh, we'll see how that is this week against the, the obvious, obviously uh, hampered Browns defense a little bit. 
but yeah, I mean, they, they, there's no question that this won't be necessarily as easy of an out as I think a lot of us thought coming into the season. A team, I'm not going to use the word tanking, but a team that's definitely in a rebuild mode, adding right. some key pieces like they did this offseason vs. the draft and keeping a couple of the veterans, uh, but still. Offense is playing well, but it's another game that the Browns, it's a very winnable matchup uh, this week. So we'll, we'll see how everything goes. Yeah. I, I mean, that. so the, the, the Browns, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be because the Falcons defense struggles, not because they're going to dominate the Falcons offense. And so um, in, in some ways it's a little bit different uh, than, you know, last week against the Steelers, the, the Browns were able to play with the lead because the Steelers weren't able to move the ball reliably. And, and so, you know, especially in the second half, they were able to kind of put the clamps down, shut down the Steelers' offense, and 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 win that way. But um, the Falcons are not that sort of team. I would expect that they'll be able to score against the Browns' defense, and it's really just a question more of what the what the uh, what the Browns can limit them to, and and you know, turning uh, drives field goal drives instead of touchdown drives, that sort of thing. I think will be really helpful. Uh, I want to go back and and pick up a question from J.C. Sandman. How do you think the Browns will defend against the RPO this week? Uh, if it's anything uh, like the way that they've handled the RPO in the past, they won't defend it particularly well. That <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, scheme-wise, that's not a strength of this defense uh, for the most part. Um, you know, it's an area where you'd love to see GOK be back healthy because he has the athleticism to mm-hmm. to make some of those plays. Uh, and and having Jacob Phillips instead of Anthony Walker could help from an athleticism standpoint. That from a recognition standpoint, it could be tough. So it puts a lot of strain on linebackers, and so it'll be interesting to see what the Browns linebackers are able to do. Uh, Cody, any thoughts on that particular question? Yeah, I think with the RPO, something I think about it is was Marcus Mariota himself and his ability to extend the, his, extend plays with, um, with his legs and make plays outside of the pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, through 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 the first three weeks of the season, he uh, let me bring it back up. Sorry, I just lost it. He has the fifth fifth most rush attempts amongst all quarterbacks with fifteen. He has ninety two yards, three explosive runs, and two missed tackles forced. He's averaged about 5.8 yards attempt over his career, but there's some opportunity there as well. With with he has a propensity to fumble the football mm-hmm. uh, th- throughout his career, and, and this year as well. This year so far, he has fumbled the ball five times, uh, which is the fifth, fifth most among any offensive player, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, anybody. So, in defending the RPO and he's running the ball, let's say he fumbles once or twice, maybe that Browns fumble luck that has been so bad. Uh, since last year and it's carried over to this year, maybe they'll recover a fumble and, and turn the ball over and get a short field. But mm-hmm. w- with the RPO, without having JOK there, uh, you got to have tight coverage, obviously, uh, yep. uh, as a defensive backs, and, and you got to make sure that you're, you're setting the edge and maintaining your edge and right. maintaining your integrity, and uh, yep. you'll be fine with it. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, another question that I thought was, uh, or a comment from Fumble13, Cordero Patterson didn't practice again today. Uh, with a little bit of a knee issue that could help if he's out, but I, you know, I, I, the, all indications are he's going to be able to play. So, so um, I'm not going to believe that one until he's inactive on Sunday, but that happens from time to time in the NFL. People keep this stuff secret, you know, and it, uh, it shows up late um, to, to your point about the defensive line and keeping contained. 
you know, one of my questions is, uh, you know, if, if Garrett and Clowney don't play, in some sense, uh, um, it's not, it's not going to help them get as much pressure on the passer, but it might be helpful in terms of you've got guys with less physical ability that that maybe can focus more on just setting contain, uh, you know, with a mobile quarterback and uh, several dynamic players. In some ways, you know, sometimes you'll see Garrett or Clowney rush so aggressively upfield that they'll take themselves out of these plays, which is, you know, is a, is a strength of the team. You don't want to take that away from them. But in this case, it could actually help the Browns, I think, because, um, you know, if it's if it's Isaac Rochelle, he's not going to be able to make that play. So he's going to try and get to the quarterback the old fashioned way. And he might be more in a position to sort of keep the pocket intact and keep keep Mariota in there, which is what you want. You want him to be a pocket passer because that's not really his strength. Well, yeah, I completely agree. And when we talk about there's a couple of things when I think about pass rush this week. One is Marcus Mariota right now has the fourth longest average time from snap to throw at three seconds. Only Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, and Lamar Jackson spend more time from the average time um, to throw so far this season. So that gives them a little bit of leeway. Uh, I'm sure they'll adjust weekly as they go. But another thing is just coverage. If you can maintain your coverage just uh, a two-tenths to four-tenths of a second longer, you're giving your edge rushers and your tier just a little bit more time to to not only hurry the quarterback and pressure the quarterback, but to turn those hurries and pressures into sacks. I don't expect a lot of sacks this week at all, but that it's just something that if the secondary – can come together and finally right. play at the level of the talent that they have and at the yep. level that we expected them to play coming into the season, then you can get some coverage sacks type type plays uh, this week. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Cody. I, I think that the, the the defensive line has really borne the brunt of this injury, this rash of injuries. Uh, and so if the secondary, which seems to be mostly healthy, if Denzel Ward's back practicing, Ronnie Harrison seems to be back, uh, if the if the secondary is is mostly healthy, then they need to be they need to be the step up here, and they need to shut down Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and really put pressure on Mariota to hold the ball, and then you know maybe somebody emerges. Maybe this is we talked about uh, before last week that uh, in the pre in the pregame that maybe last week was the Alex Wright breakout game. Well, it could be this week because uh, you know the the Falcons don't have the best offensive line. That's the weakness of their offense. And so, you know, hopefully someone is able to get home if Mariota is holding the ball for three or four or five seconds. So uh, we'll be watching for that. And in terms of coverage, uh, I want to I want to spotlight another question here that I have absolutely lost. And, uh, well, you know, this is how it goes. Uh, well, I'll show this comment from Fumble 13. Cover zero. Bring everyone to the line. Play man to man. That's not I, that's just not in Joe Wood's DNA, unfortunately. I, I, I agree with with your fumble in terms of what the uh, secondary talent allows them to do, but that's not the way that he wants to play. And it's, and it's a shame. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's, that's probably not going to happen. Oh, here it is. Uh, we've got uh, Kevo asking Ward typically performs better uh, against uh, bigger receivers. Do you think that will be the case against London? Uh, uh, Cody, any thoughts on, on that matchup Drake London against Denzel Ward? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Ward has, underwhelmed so far this season and we've talked about it a few times on here he he's may have been credited for a couple at least one touchdown the, the touchdown to Corey davis in the jets game i don't think it was necessarily on him that he's been credited with from a statistics perspective but regardless uh he struggled this year it, it it's just odd to see a guy that we've seen play at such an elite level um just kind of get beat up a little bit you know deontay johnson was not making these downfield ex- huge explosive plays, but he was getting 15 yards, 12 yards, 14 yards, eight yards, almost at will on the just comeback, curl, hook, whatever route you want to call it. 
Uh, and if we look at how Ward's performed this year, there's about 96 qualifiers at the cornerback position. He is currently 93rd in coverage yeah. grade at, at 32.0, and he's allowed the uh, 14th highest passer rating in coverage. So he, that's definitely, yeah, that's that's per PFF. So I think that might be a little skewed because of a couple of plays I don't think that we agree credited with. But regardless, um, he's not playing at the level that we expect him. And then you come in against a rookie. I mean, but a guy that had the Browns not made that Deshaun Watson trade, a, a guy that we were kind of clamoring for the Browns to go for in the yep. draft uh, this year in Drake London, uh, six foot four, he's over 200 pounds. And he he's really paid pretty much immediate dividends for that Falcons offense right now. He is the guy in that offense, although Pitts had some targets last week. But if you want to shut down that offense, the passing offense, step one is finding out a way to slow him down. Right now, he's he's at 214 yards. He's averaging 13.4 yards per reception and nearly 35% of the team's air yards. So that's – we're looking at the Browns' defense versus the Falcons' offense. That is one of those key matchups you have to look for. And I expect Ward – it's not going to – he's not going to be this way the whole season. I don't think that's the expectation. At some point, right? He's, it's gonna, the light's going to turn – not the light's going to turn on. He knows exactly what to do. I think it's always going to come together and have a good game. And hopefully that's this week uh, as that as that – comment mentioned we've seen it against jamar chase one of the best receivers in the league completely shut him down last year so maybe this is the game he gets right and makes one of those goal line pick sixes you know that that would be all right yeah (laughs) yeah that's a good call let's yeah let's put one of those in the playbook Uh, that seems like a good good play to run this week uh question from ico obr uh emerson has been solid though his length would be a plus against london i I think emerson's going to be involved in this game plan um he's been impressive through three weeks uh, for a rookie cornerback, and um, he's got more size than anybody else at the position for the Browns, and so I think he's going to be he's going to be involved. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get matched up against Kyle Pitts a fair amount, just because of how how physical he is and and his ability to hold up. So, um, yeah, I, Ward is going to have to play much better than he has. Uh, we'll still obviously need Greg Newsom and we'll need Martin Emerson. It's going to be a busy day for the secondary, but it's also, as we said a while ago, an opportunity for these guys to pick up the team after letting down the team in the first few weeks. So. Um, the pressure is on them. And I think, you know, we've talked about it a lot early in this season. The pressure is also on Joe Woods to come up with a scheme that um, accounts for the fact that he's not going to get much pass rush. Does he blitz more? Um, does he just give up and rush three and drop uh, eight into coverage a lot and kind of dare Marcus Mariota to sit back there and make good decisions? So um, there's some different ways that Joe Woods can approach this, but certainly he's on the hook as much as any player for how they shut down this offense. And, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what they decide to do, how they decide to attack this offense that can, as we've said, kind of get at you in a few different ways. Yeah, and I, I think we saw some of that communication. It seemed to be improved last week. I know they were playing a higher clip of man, so that helps a little bit. But even the broadcast was talking about it. You saw guys pointing at each other and talking to each other uh, pre-snap. It's like, hey, you don't know what they're saying necessarily, but I'm sure it's about what coverage are we in, what where yeah. you should be lined up. Hey, you got this guy. I got this guy. Okay, we're good. That type of thing. If it's it shouldn't be a pride thing when you're back there. If you don't know, just ask real quick. Right. Okay, who, right. who do I have? Okay, you right. got 18. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Let's go from yeah. there. Uh, yeah. But it seemed like there was better last week. against. Granted, it was against Mitch Trubisky, but the week before <laughs> that, it was against Joe Flacco, and he was just lighting them up right. left and right. So uh, yeah. definitely a little bit improved last week. Yeah, and I think you know we, we like the, the Falcons' offense. We think it's a solid unit, and it's a well-schemed offense, but – yeah, Marcus Mariota as the as the trigger man is you know he's susceptible to making mistakes as Cody mentioned he's susceptible to fumbling the ball so I think there are ways for the Browns to to uh, exert their will 
on the Falcons defense or on the Falcons offense, I should say with their defense, it's not, you know, a give up situation, but it's a good offense. And, it, and probably from a scheme standpoint and talent standpoint, the best offense the Browns have faced so far this year. So it will be a challenge for the defense and one that I'm hoping that they can uh, show up for. So uh, that's what we'll be watching on that side of the ball. Uh, let's pivot then and talk about the offense. Um, the Browns offense, uh, the defense, I think we could generally describe as being uh, disappointing so far this year. Well, the Browns offense has outperformed expectations. Uh, they sputtered a little bit uh, week one against Carolina. Brissett had some accuracy issues, which we thought maybe this is just who he is, not knowing him that well. Uh, but against the Jets and against the Steelers, he's been a, a much better quarterback to the point where now he's knocking on the door of the top 10 in a lot of quarterback metrics. So uh, is this the Jacoby we're going to see for the rest of his uh, 11 games? I guess now we're down to eight more games of Jacoby Brissett. Cody, what do you think? Is this is this the guy now? I don't, I, I, I don't think it's realistic to expect that. I mean, he's, he's arguably playing at a top 10 to 12 uh, at the quarterback position right now. He's, like you said, top 10 around around the top 10 in EPA per dropback and CPOE. So he's definitely been impressive but I don't think our expectations should be for him to be at that level throughout the rest of the season. But I'm not saying that's necessarily an impossibility either. It, right. it's, it's a possibility, but I don't see it as, as a, I see it as more unlikely than likely at this point for him right. to, to, to achieve that uh, throughout the year. But kudos to him. He's, he's finding the open receiver because we've talked about how Stefanski is very good at scheming open uh, receivers, tight ends, running backs in the passing game, and he's been able to find that guy. It's not always the right guy, but he's finding the right guy, and he's feeding yeah. He's feeding the playmakers. He's feeding Amari right. Cooper. He's feeding David Njoku. He's getting those guys the targets that they deserve in this offense and delivering, at least over the past couple of weeks, a, a catchable and a fairly accurate football. So kudos to him to what he's doing. I think he is very prideful, uh, and he seems like he's an emotional guy. He, I think he relishes in this opportunity that's faced him. He knows exactly what he came in for. He's getting the job done right now, and just hope that can continue uh, with and with the passing game as well, and leaning on Chubb and Hunt in the ground, and that's been extremely successful, the best best rushing attack in football this year. But um, I don't know what you think, but I don't think it is necessarily realistic for him to be playing at this level for all 11 games that he'll be starting. No, I, I agree with that. That would be so far out of the norm for his career. Um, but I, I will say that that I think that it it's it feels now after three weeks, uh, you know, and, and none of these defenses have been bad defenses, bad, bad defenses. I mean, the, I know the Jets are, are pretty low ranked in the league, but, um, you know, certainly even with without T.J. Watt, the Steelers defense is still not, you know, not a bad unit. Um, I think the running game has taken a step. You know, I, I think the running game was good last year, and I think now they're in that sort of next tier of of elite or special. Um, you know, the the some of the statistics around their their EPA per play running the ball being on par with some teams uh, passing attacks is, is sort of mind boggling when you think about it. And so, you know, if the running game can continue to do that to defenses, causing the safety to come into the box, you know, if it gives Jacoby a lot of one-on-ones with Amari Cooper, I mean, those are easy throws, you know. Uh, it's kind of the same thing we talked about in reverse. If the Browns keep blowing coverages, even a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky can hit a wide-open guy. Well, you know, Jacoby Brissett can hit a wide-open Amari Cooper. I mean, he's got a great catch radius, and he runs a crisp route. If they have that chemistry, you know, I could see it continuing, not at this level consistently, but, you know, where you minimize turnovers and make a few big throws every game, um, you know, I think that's certainly possible. And, 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 you know, week three proved that Kevin Stefanski 
when he's got an opponent dialed up, he can put an offensive game plan together that that can absolutely undress a defense, and that's what he did against Pittsburgh. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I agree with you. I think it's still more unlikely, but I'm a lot closer than I was a few weeks ago to believing that Jacoby Brissett can be an above-average NFL starter uh, in this offense. And that's you know, it's not a place that I thought we would land honestly this season. Yeah, something I'll touch that you talked about is the way he take, he's taken care of the football so far this season, which is. That, that in itself is underrated and very important to any offense, and especially the Browns' offense. And with the way the defense is played, you can't be given the opposing offense short fields and, and turning the ball over constantly. Right now through the season, only 2.7% of his throws have been deemed turnover-worthy, and that's exactly what they need from him. He's doing the job to near perfection, uh, way more than, way better than I thought he would be through these weeks. So uh hope he keeps it up going at least to maybe a level of 85 to 90%. And that's the yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that comment. He is making some yep. throws. He ha- he's had some dime throws, some throws downfield. He's not pushing the ball downfield at a high clip, and that's not what the Browns expect him to do. That's not why he was brought here. But he is making some throws. And man, he's got he's got some damn velocity on that thing when he wants to. Sometimes a little too much. We saw that ball to Cooper last week came in a little too hot that, that I thought that I think Cooper was expecting. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he he, yeah. he he throws a nice football. Yeah. A uh, quick shout out to Paul Spencer for uh, dropping five gift subs into uh, chat. Thank you, Paul, for being such a great supporter. Um, it, it, this isn't necessarily pay to play, but since Paul did that, uh, Paul says he's better than Baker. And I believe that we would categorize that as damning with faint praise, Paul. That is, that's what I would call that. Um, but, but you know, you're not wrong. And um, it, you know, the, the Browns, I think the, the one thing you can say for sure about this entire situation they had a plan to improve the quarterback position this offseason. And and even knowing that the guy that they wanted was going to miss some time, uh, they they put the team in a really good position uh, by finding a backup that they knew would work for their system. And so I think, you know, there was a lot of people in the preseason talking about the Browns being a, a bad, bad team, a bad offense, because Jacoby Brissett couldn't do it. And the Browns saw something else. And now what they saw is what we're seeing on the field. And I think Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski deserve a lot of credit for pulling that off because, you know, uh, I mean, the last thing I want to do is sit here and relitigate the Deshaun Watson situation. But if that suspension stays at six games, the Browns have a chance to be three and one. And then the Chargers and the Patriots don't look great. And those games are at home. Uh, you know, you you have a, a, a real solid chance of being four and two after six games. Uh, and, and five and one is not a crazy thing to say. Uh, as, as, as crazy as it sounds to say it, uh, it, it's more realistic than we think. My point being, if that was the suspension that, that, that had stuck, Brissett absolutely had enough juice to get them through that six game period. Yeah, I completely agree. And and with Watson, I think we're not in those rooms. We don't know how the decision was made, but we know that it, in my eyes, it's a long-term investment. That's not paying short-term dividends to the team. It's a long-term thing. And and then they saw, because I think you said what Jacoby is like, and with Josh Dobbs, I mean, they, it was a complete overhaul at that position. They went from an unathletic uh, position, inconsistency at the position, to bringing these guys in that can bring a different uh, – open, really off, open the offense up more. Mm-hmm. You can do a little bit more with these guys than, than you could with Baker. And that's not bashing Baker. That's just speaking the truth to what his athleticism and his abilities are. So it was needed. And, yep. and they had they had the cojones to do it, and they pulled it off. So uh, we'll see how it goes with the outlook. But in the short term right now, it, yep. it's been uh, – they look extremely intelligent, uh, even more so than their um, Ivy League certificates say on their wall. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Ico's got a great point here. Jacoby will get a better contract next year than Baker. And I think that's, I think there's a decent shot. The, the trajectories that they're on right now. And it, you know, it really, to a certain extent is such a testament to the importance of coaching and scheme. You know, uh, Baker looks completely lost in the Ben McAdoo scheme. Whereas uh, Jacoby looks really comfortable uh, in Kevin Stefanski's scheme. And, uh, you know, he looks like 2020 Baker. So we don't want to talk much more about Mayfield, but I, I do think it's an important point just to give the front office and the coaching staff credit for going out and finding not only their guy, you know, they've got the franchise quarterback sitting sitting at home right now. They've also got their guy in the short term. And, and that's what an accomplishment. And, you know, to your point, Cody, they've got Josh Dobbs, who in the preseason looked like he could definitely do it if needed as well. So totally rebuilt the position, the most important position in sports in one offseason. And I think that deserves some credit, even though, you know, there was some, uh, you know, a lot of lot of heat sent their way in the offseason for the way that these decisions were made. Uh, okay, so we're going to shift gear from quarterback. We're going to talk about the offense more generally. Kevo had a great question way back and uh, when we were talking about the defense. He's saying if the defense continues to struggle, do you see Stefanski then opening the playbook a little bit to try and score more points? And I think that's a great question because it, it really calls into – you know, what what you're talking about here is game script. One of the things that Stefanski has been amazing at so far this year is getting the team, the Browns to play with a lead. He's done a very good job up into and, and up to and including uh, receiving against the Steelers on Thursday night, which is a departure from his normal strategy. He he won the toss and took the opening kick. And I think that that speaks to his his understanding that this run game works best if he has a lead, obviously. And it's the most important and potent part of the team. And so, you know, it's another situation. I think the team is probably going to come out on on Sunday in Atlanta and want to try and play from from 10 points ahead to both limit the Atlanta running game and give the Browns running attack all of the room that it needs to to flourish. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the, the big part of it has been the team's success on early downs. I mean, if you can't get into these third and obvious pass situations third and eight or longer that, that that's not how this offense is built currently uh, it might be when Watson comes back to be able to pull some of those off but but right now you, you you're, you're aiming to be very successful on first and second down and a thing that he Stefanski improved on last week which in week two we're like well it's a first down run it was a first down run you could see it coming from mm-hmm. from Wisconsin you could see it coming <laughs> <laughs> you could see that coming there was a first down yeah. every time and, and last week he's slowly starting to improve with those first down passes to catch people off guard if it's boot action play action uh, first down screens even however it works but uh he's definitely been calling a heck some heck of football games these first few weeks I think somebody commented a little bit ago about that too how yep. uh, they had to have a, had to have a cigarette after Stefanski called that oh, third yeah. and one third yeah, yeah, yeah. Cooper yeah. where you saw <laughs> you saw let me, the uh let me throw that one up here quick yeah the Steelers defensive line just collapsed because they figured mm-hmm. that J- Jacoby Brissett you know the Tom Brady-esque uh, quarterback sneaking that last week um you saw them crash and then all of a sudden Jacoby's booting out to the right and Cooper's just wide open in front of what the play went 25 30 yards however long it was and uh that's the kind of stuff he can do when you have confidence in what your quarterback and what your receiver are doing and not to get off but too much off to a tangible with the Cooper it's it's a little weird seeing a true number one receiver mm-hmm. in this offense that's not saying Beckham wasn't um or some guys before him weren't if they just never, the quarterback and the receiver never jived. And right now those two are jiving. They're on the exact same page for the most part. And I think that rapport is only going to build as these first 11 games continue. But uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yep. Uh, I'll just uh, I'll shout out Paul again. Uh, he's asking for a, a Mayfield and Manziel cast every Friday night, which is uh, that's true sicko stuff, Paul. That would, be, <laughs> uh, that would be that would be really something to. I don't even know what that would be. It would be half Baker Mayfield film and then half what, what would we just look at old Johnny Manziel highlights, or would we? Would we what talk we could about do is a Twitch live stream of the Netflix documentary of Johnny Manziel. There we go. We'll all watch now, that now together with with yeah. Baker Mayfield fit like a picture in picture. Oh. Baker picture in oh, picture. I'll watch along. The bottom down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely a straight line from Johnny Manziel to Baker Mayfield, and I hate how true that is. Uh, but I will say, I think we're gonna, I think we're going to uh, stick with uh, doing spaces. So tomorrow uh, evening, a little bit earlier. But we've been, we last week we did a, an OBR uh, happy hour on Twitter uh, at five o'clock and uh, just chopped it up and talked a little bit of Browns and I think we're going to do that again tomorrow uh, at five o'clock I, I believe uh, we'll see if everybody's still available I know a lot of people have obligations makes it a hard day to do stuff but we're, we're going to try to give you a full five days of of Browns content and then of course we will be with you Sunday for pregame at noon so um, something to look forward to there talking about the running game. Uh, and, and just how good it's been, Cody, and, and how it has allowed, you know, the Browns to sort of dictate games. Um, and, and I mean, to your point, sometimes run on first down, even though everybody in the stadium uh, and watching at home knows that it's coming. Um, you know, th- these these things are, you know, these storylines are maybe there's too much made of them, but this is Nick Chubb's first game in Georgia uh, since being uh, a, an NFL player. And uh, I think he's a, he's a pretty, you know, he's, he seems like a, a family-oriented guy. I know he loves Georgia. Those clips of him in the offseason lifting 600, 700 pounds, lifting a school bus or whatever, those are all at, like, Georgia high schools. He he, he loves his home state. And so uh, I'm expecting between uh, him being who he is and the Falcons' run defense being what it is, uh, I'm expecting a big game from Nick Chubb on on Sunday. And I'm I'm kind of hoping – uh, even though I know that this is not Kevin Stefanski's MO, I'm kind of hoping that he just gives him the rock. You know, I'm kind of hoping that we get into that 30 touch range because I think, I think we could be in store for something very special from Nick Chubb on Sunday. Yeah. His, I think he's been getting the ball a little bit more than expected. I think this season he's been, he's been more of a featured running back one compared to how his touches were a little bit limited in years prior. I don't think that's by accident. I think Stefanski knows what they need to do to be successful and win some games and put some points on the board over these over these first 11 weeks. But uh, speaking of that Atlanta defense, they are allowing the highest EPA per rush in the league right now at uh, .119. And then you have, like you said, Nick Chubb coming back. I almost tore my ACL just watching him squat 600 pounds, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's, it could be in for something special. I don't expect 35 carries, but I do expect it to be in those mid-20s. As long as the game script calls for it, right. uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him get 25 carries and rack up yep. 150 yards and, and some touchdowns. Uh, yep. He is – it's funny. We all knew it, that he yep. was the best running back in football. All yep. of a sudden, last Thursday night, when he's on the yep. national spotlight, it's not the first time he's been on the national spotlight, but all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, he mm. is the best running back in football. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, he's the highest graded. Yeah, he has 10 more missed tackles forced than anybody else in football right now. He yep. is that good. You saw Jake's clip of him literally almost just jumping levitating. two yards to yep. the right, levitating yep. over the air. So, yeah, yeah, about five yard carries over last year, which is a lot. I mean, over, yep. you're extrapolating that over a whole season, you're talking about 85 more carries. That, that's yep. a lot for a running back. So, um, yes, and somebody said my fantasy team would love Chad running wild. Yes, uh, completely agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I know that they're not going to give one guy, you know, 40 carries or whatever. But I, I do think, you know, seeing him break a few long runs and 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 I, I expect, you know, uh, the Browns fans travel well. So there's going to be some Browns fans in Atlanta on, on Sunday. And, and so I expect it to be, you know, to be a situation where, you know, if they can kind of get that get that lead and start to lean on the Falcons a little bit, it could get a little lopsided and we could see. We could see some big rushing totals, like you said, 150 plus yards from Chubb, and so that's what I'm looking for. Uh, one, one big run. One, you know, I'd like to see him break one. House call. He hasn't had that yet this season. Uh, so, so I, you know, I think a lot rests on his his shoulders, and as he's proved, he can lift a lot of weight with those shoulders. So, uh, you know, it's it's a comfortable place for for the for the pressure to be. Um, the other thing I just wanted to talk about is. You know, it, it feels to me, you know, the, the Falcons have got uh, Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell. Uh, other than that, not a lot of talent on the defense. I'm, and, and, you know, I'm not sitting here breaking down Falcons tape in my spare time. So, I, you know, I'm not totally familiar with the ins and outs. But from what I've seen uh, this year, you know, not certainly not a dominating defense by any stretch of the imagination. But you do think A.J. Terrell probably takes uh, Amari Cooper out of the game to a certain extent, which, you know, I think could open the door for it being another uh, big David Njoku game where he's uh, – He's open over the middle of the field. I know that the the Falcons lack in linebacker talent, and um, they like to blitz a lot. So I could see you know Najoku getting out on some screens and some some uh, hot routes, and uh, and making a little bit of hay after the catch against a, a Falcon secondary that probably has a little bit of room to roam. So um, passing game wise, that's the that's kind of the matchup that I'm looking for, at is David Najoku. But uh, who else might step up if we're expecting AJ Terrell to kind of be on Amari Cooper all night? Yeah, outside of Njoku, you, you kind of look in that direction to Donovan Peoples-Jones. That was kind of the featured receiver week one. Maybe he gets some more targets, or maybe the guy who everybody thought was going to have 1,000 yards this season. I don't know where it came from, but the rookie David Bell. Maybe right. he gets some more opportunities this week. I don't, I don't think he'll get eight, nine, ten targets, but maybe he gets four or five, and, and seems like he's comfortable on those slant and post patterns right now. So let's see if he can get some targets there. I still think Cooper will, will get his share. It might not be the hundred yard game that he's passed done the past couple of weeks with, with Terrell defending him, but uh, I like to see that. Yeah, somebody said for Ico Eco Eco OBR or, or Cobra. I'm gonna go with the Cobra. Flash, <laughs> flash, flash it back to flash it back to Stevens Day. We'll go with the Cobra. Yeah, uh, I think I could see him get a little more involved uh, this week. And Schwartz, I mean, he's just all but disappeared at this point. Yes, yeah. um, he, he I, I, I don't know what's going on there, but. Keep feeding your playmakers, and if it's DPJ this week, that's the guy. That's the guy. I don't think the Browns care who gets the receptions. Right. I don't think Amari Cooper is that kind of guy that cares who's getting the ball. They just want to win, and uh, that's what I think. But I think Njoku, as you were saying, I he had a great game last week. I think he's going to do similar production this week. I, I really do. Uh, the, the Falcons have allowed 19 receptions on 24 targets, and 221 yards to opposing tight ends this season, all of which are in the bottom seven. So there should be some opportunities for him there. Uh, but let's see. Yep. Okay. Well, you know, we've we've talked about the defense and and the tough spot they're going to be in against a, a good Falcons offense that's uh, well run by Arthur Smith. Um, and then we talked about the uh, the Browns offense going up against a maybe a substandard uh, Falcons defense, but the you know the Browns offense still has questions. We're still not. 100% in on Jacoby Brissett being a top 10 quarterback. So uh, we'll be watching both of those matchups closely. Um, but I, I do think, you know, uh, it, it, it's a situation overall that favors the Browns. They're one and a half point favorites, which means on a neutral field, they would they would actually, the Falcons would be uh, 
or no, that's not right. It, it, uh, they're one and a half point favorites, which means that on a neutral field that the, the Browns would be favored by four and a half. Uh, so, Basic math. You know, yeah. yeah, well, here I am, you know, not, maybe this is why I'm not so great at gambling is that I don't know how the lines work. <laughs> uh, so, so, no, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're short favorites, I guess, is what I would say on the road. Uh, you know, the Falcons don't have much in the way of home field advantage, I don't think. But um, it kind of gives you an idea of where Vegas sees the, uh, sees the game. Uh, curious, Cody, for your thoughts on, uh, where you see this game kind of ending up. Oh man, I've been back and forth a lot this week with this game it, because you see how they, that, that Falcons offense has performed through three weeks overperformed without a doubt. And you see how the Browns defense has struggled at times. I do think there's going to be a couple of plays where we all grab our heads. You know, if you have hair, rip it out. I'm, I'm sure I've only got sprouts left these days. Well, at my Browns 30- at my, yeah, my 35 years of age, I've already bought them more 60-year-olds. But anyway, I, I, I think I think it's going to be a little more high scoring than a lot of people expect. Maybe like a 30 to 27, 27, mm-hmm. 24 kind of matchup. But I'm going to go with the Browns. I've been back and forth. I'll, I'm yep. going to go with them. Yep. And I, I think it'll be like a 30 to – I'll say 30 to 26. Okay. Uh, kind of Brown's game. What do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, I, so, so a little bit of a similar vibe to, uh, to the, to the Jets game, if it plays out that way, where, you know, almost chance that the last guy with the ball wins. Um, so, uh, before we, before I give my prediction, I just want to, sometimes we'll just, not only do we love the comments, but we love that sometimes the comment section just self-regulates. So we got a great question from Kevo. How can we win the special teams battle? My answer would be, you know, Cade York needs to be more consistent. We can't keep missing extra points. He's going to be in a dome, so he should be able to just kick it from wherever. They should be able. It should be in field goal range when they catch the ball on a kickoff return uh, in the dome. Um, and, and, Strong uh, wins. You know, Strong yeah. wins. <laughs> Corey Bohorquez has been great, uh, and Chester Rogers looked like a real NFL returner last week. I, I hope that they'll activate him and use him again this week. And so, you know, that that should be enough. Um, but you know. Sometimes uh, people will just cut right through all of that, and the answer is this simple: just fire Mike Briefer. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, Paul, right. Paul's got the answer. Um, yeah, no. As far as um, as far as this game, I uh, I predicted the Browns to lose to Carolina. I was wrong. I predicted them to win against the Jets. I was wrong, and I predicted them to lose against the Steelers, and I was wrong. So. My track record on predicting Browns games is uh, is weak so far this season. Um, what I would say is that I think that the Browns have – this feels to me a lot like the 2020 season where, um, you know, they, they have a pretty good idea early on in the season how to manipulate opponents to get wins. And they know that they need to create a favorable game script so that they can lean on teams with the running game. And they know that that will bear fruit down the road. So I look for that to be the strategy. Uh, and I think that they can be successful because I don't think that the Falcons are a complete enough team uh, to keep the Browns from scoring early. Um, the Falcons, of course, are fairly explosive offensively, but I think, you know, they're explosive in the same way that the Browns are, that they need run pass balance. I don't think if, if Mariota has to drop back 30 or 40 times, the Falcons will score a lot of points. So that's the game plan for the Browns. And I, I expect that they will follow it. Uh, I am obviously, uh, reluctant to choose them to win because the one time I did, they lost in an agonizing fashion, but I do think that uh, this game feels closer, but in reality, I think that the Browns uh, are, should be fairly comfortable winners uh, against the Falcons on Sunday. I love it. 
and that's uh yeah so uh, taco cat's calling through reverse jinx uh, i haven't my official prediction will be in our roundtable column that'll come up on uh, saturday on the obr and so i can i can always change my mind you know all of this is subject to change in reverse we've got uh, yeah paul's calling for me to uh, pick the falcons yep yeah. um, and then we've got og philly he's got the browns 30 23 i see something in that range uh, i think i think that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty reasonable uh, score prediction in my mind. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Paul says, "All right, don't don't pick the pick the pick the Browns, but bet on the Falcons." And I can do that. I I will. I'll spend ten bucks to make sure the Browns win this weekend for everybody. So um, you got to hedge. Yeah, exactly. Hedge, you gotta your, hedge. hedge your heart and hedge your mind. It's right? an emotional hedge. That's exactly what yeah. it is. Uh, all right. Well, let's Cody. Before we go here, we've got about fifteen minutes left. Let's look around the rest of the NFL. Um, you know, it's not uh, not the greatest week of games, but there is one standout. We've got the Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Bills are short favorites in Baltimore. I believe three and a half. The last time I looked, um, that's a game that could have some fireworks because I think Lamar is sort of on a mission to prove to Baltimore that he is uh, worth every penny that they refuse to pay him in the offseason. And uh, obviously the Bills are able to score on pretty much anybody, although the Dolphins did an all right job. Um, but that feels like one that to me could be in the in the 30s on both sides. What do you what do you think about that matchup? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lamar Jackson is that offense. He's he, he, they on the ground game. He has 243 yards rushing. The next guy close to him has 79 on that team. So he he is the entirety of their offense. And like you said, he's on a mission uh, to get paid and to get paid handsomely as he should be. Um, with the way he plays this game at such a high level, an elite level, a level I didn't think uh, that he really could really do. Same with the guy that played opposite of him this week in Josh Allen. That was a guy that majority of people didn't think was going to be good, and he's one, one of, if not the best quarterback in football now. So uh, it's going to be a battle. I, I do expect that both teams to maybe be in the 30s. Um, I haven't looked at the weather forecast, but assuming it's nice, I think they'll put up a lot of points together. And a team, the two teams that should probably make pretty deep runs in the playoffs, I'm assuming this year, assuming they both stay healthy. But uh, we'll see how that shakes out. It's definitely the game of the week in my eyes. But uh, we'll definitely be rooting for the Bills on that one, uh, just for Division Six. Yeah, it's got a total at uh, Vegas Sportsbooks of 51 points. Uh, so that plus the uh, spread implies a, a you know Bills win somewhere in like the uh, what is it 27 to 24, I believe. So uh, there's some math for you. Um, Trust uh, <laughs> uh, so so. Uh, yeah, that, that that would be that'll be probably the game I'll be dialed into. And, and as you said, uh, you got to root for the Bills because it, it puts the Browns in that much better position uh, for the uh, for the division. So that'll be one to watch. And I think it's happening at the same time. So it will be one to just I guess hear about what's happening in it at, at that game while the while the Browns are taking care of the Falcons. Um, elsewhere, we've got the the Chargers are suddenly injury riddled. Uh, a team that we thought was going to be really good competition for the Browns this year in terms of a wild card spot maybe even competing for the AFC West uh, divisional title. And all of a sudden uh, you've got uh, Joey Bosa's going on IR. He's supposed to be back this year, but he's got a groin injury that needs surgery. Uh, Rashawn Slater is done for the season with the torn biceps, which is awfully, I mean, their offensive line had some players, but it doesn't have depth. And so now you've got a player, Storm Norton, starting at left tackle that uh, was bad at right tackle last year, last year, I'm sorry. And, um, and then of course you've got Justin Herbert, who's got bruised or, broken rib cartilage or however that all works. And, and at times last week, didn't look like he could uh, make the throws that he needed to make. Uh, they're going to Houston to play a Texans team that has been bad, but competitive, I think would be the best way to describe them. Uh, and certainly a team that could take advantage of a depleted uh, Chargers team 
uh, I think that's one where the you know the Chargers have to be a little bit on upset alert, right? Yeah, I think the parity has kind of reached a new level in the NFL this year. It seems like every week there's a team in a game or team winning the game that has no business being there, and maybe that could be the Texans this year. The, if you look at their roster, it's just I don't know how they're staying in these games, and they, they're playing at a, a competitive type level that reminds me of the Lions from last year. Didn't win a lot of games, but they were in a lot of games and pushing it right there to the limit. So I still think the Chargers solely based upon Justin Herbert. I know he's not 100%. But he's one of the better yard quarterbacks in this league, I think. And with Slater out, and with Guyton out, and all those guys that they have, um, Bosa and all the whole crew, I still think they find a way to win that game. But if they don't, uh, they could really be in a world of trouble here pretty soon. And a team that's kind of reached uh, Brown's bad luck type of levels with with injuries and just weird situations going on with the football team. Yeah, so that'll that'll be one to watch for sure because the, they're definitely in direct competition with the Browns for a wild card spot. Uh, obviously, we hope that the Browns wrap up the division. To that point, uh, we've got the Steelers uh, hosting the Jets, which I don't want to talk about much because that's going to be an ugly game. But it sounds like Zach Wilson will start for the Jets. Uh, another one that I'm keeping my eye on in the late window, we've got the Broncos traveling to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Uh, the Broncos are 1-2. and two, The Raiders are 0-3. Um, which one of those two records, the Broncos being 1-2 and two or the Raiders being 0-3, is more surprising to you, Cody? I'd say the Raiders, just based upon the talent they have on offense with, with, with Devontae Adams and, and Derek Carr's a respectable quarterback and Darren Waller and, and, and Renfro and all those guys, they so much talent. And the, I, the, I saw a tweet the other day that says this, the Josh McDaniels isn't, isn't a short-term thing. It's going to take some time. But I don't, I don't know, man. you got you got some pretty good talent on that team. And they do not look very good right now. Neither do the Broncos. You know, they went out and invested a ton of money in a quarterback in Russell Wilson who really – has done nothing this season to to show that he's worth the, the bag of money they paid him. I know it's early, only talking about three weeks, but um, I think the Raiders being the position they are right now is far more surprising than where the Broncos are. Yeah, I agree with that. There was a great thread on Twitter today from Tyler Pulmus, a uh, longtime backup tackle in the NFL, that he had like four or five great anecdotes about Josh McDaniels when he was with the uh, – with the Broncos, uh, uh, Palomas was there at the same time. And just some of the stuff that McDaniels did that team, it was absolutely dreadful that he could uh, treat adults that way. Uh, and, and Ian's got me in, in chat. Uh, the Broncos are 2-1, and one, which I think proves how bad they've played because I really honestly got thought they were one. So that's on me. And, uh, yeah, uh, lesson learned. Yeah, but they're not scoring any points. <laughs> I mean, they're just – Right. They got 11 points. They got – 16 points they're, they're they're not they're not putting up any points really this year so yep. especially with with the guys they have and the potential they have with russell wilson and javante williams and jerry judy and all those guys there um Cortland sutton the whole crew so yep. uh, we shall see i'm being told from me in the it's also acting out which i apologize to everyone for um uh one more cody that i wanted to talk about we've got chiefs at bucks on sunday night football uh, tough road game for the Chiefs and a, a tough defense uh, with the Buccaneers. Uh, the Bucks haven't been scoring any points, but the uh, you know the, the the Bucks defense can really hold teams down. Uh, how do you see that one playing out on Sunday night? Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before Brady gets back to a, to a to a better level of football play. You know, he's without Godwin, he's without Evans, he's without the main core of his receivers right now. Uh, but the, you know, the playing the Chiefs, you say it's it's at Tampa, correct? Uh, the Tampa defense is playing extremely well. 
but the, seeing the Chiefs at two and two through four weeks would be a little wild uh, to me with it, which as much talent as they have, as good as football team as they have, as well coached as they are, even with the enemy and Mahomes kind of going after each other last week. Uh, that's a tough one to predict. I, I'm going to say Tampa wins it, and, 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 the, and the Chiefs do decide to do too with that defense, and I think Brady steps it up a little bit, They have and they have a good week. Okay, uh, well, so that brings us to tonight's game. We've got the uh, Dolphins visiting the Bengals. They got there early because of the hurricane. Um, I, I, I really like the Dolphins' defense against this Bengals' offense. I think they'll have a plan to shut down the Bengals' receivers. Uh, I'm curious to see how the Bengals get after Miami's offense. Um, and then, of course, there's a question of whether or not uh, Tua is healthy. So uh, talk talk a little bit about this game tonight, Cody. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a matchup of like, explosive players on both sides, with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and Tua and Burrow and Mixon and, and the whole crew. There's just – and Boyd and T. Higgins. There's just so many players on both sides, both offenses, that can make a ton of plays and score a ton of points. But the Bengals really haven't, haven't gotten to that level that they were last year. Uh, so we definitely want to – as, as Browns fans and Browns analysts, we definitely want to see the Dolphins pull out a victory tonight and, and hopefully Tua can keep what he's doing at playing at an MVP-like level right now with those guys at his disposal. Uh, and the Bengals, we'll see. We'll see if Burrow, he, I, he looked better last week. Uh, I don't think he's seen ghosts necessarily, but I, I think he'll be, I think he'll be much improved. And I expect it to be a, a pretty exciting game at a great Thursday night game, really, when you, when you just look at the teams on paper. But uh, rooting for the Dolphins, and I, I I saw, I believe, unless this is a fake tweet, I don't believe it is from a very friend account, that everybody on Get Up on ESPN picked the Bengals to win. So that just makes me want to root for the Dolphins and pick the Dolphins even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is a line that surprised me, the Bengals being four-point favorites against Miami when Miami's 3-0 and and has uh, – I mean, those are three pretty r- impressive wins, really, uh, you know, against the uh, – the Patriots, the Ravens, and the uh, the Bills. That's that's kind of a murderer's row, and the Bengals have not looked that good. So uh, it'll be a fun teams. one to watch. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. to me. They're, they think the Bengals are better, but I, yeah, I think people are not fully sold on Miami, and I think um, I thought that the Buffalo game would be the one that would kind of convince people, but maybe a national audience, kind of like what you were saying about Nick Chubb, maybe a national audience tonight will be what gets it done. So uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, we will be back on Sunday for the pregame at uh, noon. Join us then. Um, thank you very much, Cody, for being with me. Thank you to Ian for uh, running things behind the scenes. Thank you to all of you in the chat for uh, joining us. Lots of great questions and interactions. You guys are the best. And uh, that will do it. Let's go watch some Thursday night football together until uh, Sunday. That's it for us. Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>